Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. He's so great that you can't even explain how great he really is. That's why in services like this, you just don't know if you want to shout and rejoice or if you just want to weep and cry. Don't know if you want to stand with your hands raised or kneel down on your knees to let him know you are great in my life. Oh, hallelujah. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. and I'm just expecting him to visit us every single service during this week. And I just believe that we are ready right now for what God is wanting to speak to us. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to open and read from the book of St. Luke, the seventh chapter. And we're going to begin at the 18th verse, St. Luke chapter 7 and verse number 18. And while you're turning there, we're also going to read one verse from Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6. So Hebrews chapter, chapter 11, verse number 6, and also Luke chapter 7, verse number 18. Give honor to your pastor for extending the invitation, allowing us to be part of what God is doing in this revival. So thankful that my family is with me, beautiful wife, a precious baby boy, and we're thankful for each and every one of you that have taken time out of your schedule to be in the house of the Lord on a Monday night. I want to tell you, God sees it and he rewards it. He sees every sacrifice that we make for his kingdom. And to that we say thank you. Luke chapter 7, verse number 18. And the Bible tells us this. And the disciples of John showed him of all these things. John, calling unto him two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? When the men were coming to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And in that same hour, he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and evil spirits, and unto many that were blind he gave sight. Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way, and tell John what things you have seen and heard, how that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and to the poor the gospel is preached. They wanted to know if he really was the one. And Jesus said, Just go back and tell him what you've seen and what you've heard. Now let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11, the great faith chapter, the word of God, verse number 6. And the apostle writes, and he says this, but without faith, somebody said faith, 
But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Here the author of our text said the very first step, you got to have faith in God. Before we get you baptized, before we get anything else going on, you got to believe that God is real and he died for your sins. But then the second step, which is just as important as confessing that God is real, you got to believe that he will reward you if you will diligently seek after him. And so with the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to preach to us tonight on this subject, finding everything you've been looking for. Finding everything you've been looking for. Can we lift our hands? Can we raise our voices? Let's pray. Let's ask God to speak to our hearts. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are thankful for every life that is here, every individual that is in this room. But, God, we plead your blood upon this service and the message that is to be preached that somebody will lead change, somebody's life would be forever filled with your spirit. God, we give you praise and thanks in advance for what you are going to do in our midst. And we pray in the name that's above every other name. Pray in the name that demons tremble at and angels bow down in reverence. Pray in the name that causes men to rejoice. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. Well, we are reading here in our text in this seventh chapter of the Gospel of St. Luke, and we are really coming in on the middle of a story. And so to understand the magnitude of what exactly is taking place, We first have to back up and understand who is this man named John the Baptist. Uh, John the Baptist was a preacher of sorts, but he was not your everyday, ordinary, run-of-the-mill kind of preacher. He was very eccentric. He was unusual, to say the very least. The Bible says that he would eat locusts and wild honey. He would go off into the wilderness and preach, and when he would preach, all he would wear was a leather girdle. Now, I'm going to tell you, some of y'all have been in church too long. If that doesn't raise your eyebrow just a little bit, I'm going to tell you what would happen if the evangelist came in tonight and all that was on was a leather girdle. There'd be weeping and gnashing of teeth before the service ever starts. You got to admit, that's a little odd. And to make matters worse, John was not very polished. He wasn't very politically correct. You had to be careful asking what John thought because he was liable to tell you in no uncertain terms. Matter of fact, in one portion of the scriptures, we find him addressing some religious rulers, and he just pulled no punches. He said, you men are vipers. You are no good. He held nothing back. John just preached the only way he knew how to preach. We 
find him in Luke the third chapter in the fourth verse, preaching and saying, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low. And the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. You would think the way he dressed and the way he spoke and the way he acted that when people saw him on the street corner, they wouldn't give him the time of day. But actually it worked the exact opposite. People would come from all over. They would travel from other towns and other cities. Some would go great lengths because they wanted to hear the ministry of John the Baptist. That tells me something. It tells me that whenever the truth of God's word is preached, it may not come from the man you want it to come from, and it may not come the way you think it should come, but brother, when the truth is preached, something happens in the hearts of humanity. Something changes in the atmosphere when the truth is delivered. And so John began to develop quite a following. Those that began to follow him everywhere that he went. John started preaching with such power and such persuasion that we find a group coming together and beginning to meet and discussing how can John get all of these people to come? How can somebody like him get these crowds and multitudes to listen to his ministry? What is the reason? Surely there's an explanation. Finally, after discussing all the different ideas, they came to this conclusion. The reason why John was so anointed, the reason why John was so powerful, the reason why John had such an authority is because in reality, John was in fact the Messiah. There had to be no other reason. That had to be why he was risen up the ranks. That had to be why there was such an anointing upon his life. And so these men came to where John was at. And when they approached him, they said, Now we've been talking amongst ourselves and we think we know who you really are, but uh, we just want to hear it from your mouth. But as we began to talk, we have finally reached a verdict and just assure us that what we think is actually true. John, are you indeed uh, the Christ, the Savior of the world? And do you know that could have been John's moment in glory? That could have been the moment he said, we're going live on YouTube, going down to every mainstream method. He could have just risen with the spotlight on him, but that's not what he said. Matthew chapter 3 and verse number 11 tells us his response. He says, I indeed baptize you with the water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. John said, if you think I'm anointed, if you think I'm powerful, if you think there's an authority upon my life, hang on a little while longer because there's one coming after me, the latchet of whose shoes I'm unworthy to stoop down in a loose. 
And when he comes, he's going to give you more than just good church. He's going to give you more than just religion. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And so John just left and just kept on doing what he always did. John preached over and over again. We find him down by the River Jordan, just like at other times before. And while he is in the middle of his sermon, while all the people have gathered around to listen to what he has to say, John looks up and he sees a man walking down the road in the distance. And when John realizes who it is, he cuts his sermon short. He stops speaking. Then he gets the attention of the entire crowd and points to where this man is walking. And John lifts up his voice and says, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. That's the one I've been preaching about. That's the one Grandma told you about. That's the one the prophets prophesied about. There he is in the flesh. Jesus walks. A momentous moment is happening right now. Jesus walks to where John is, and John has the baton ready to hand it off. Jesus speaks and says, John, baptize me. John just what? Jesus, I know who you are. I know you are the God manifest in the flesh. I know you are the Savior and the Redeemer of mankind. There's no way I can be baptizing you, but you've got the roles reversed. If anybody needs to be baptized, Jesus, you need to be baptizing me. Jesus and no John, in order to fulfill all righteousness, you must baptize me. And I read that and I think to myself, if Jesus himself said I need to be baptized, if the one that never made a mistake and never committed a sin said I need to be baptized, I know what I need to do. There's nobody perfect enough, nobody good enough, nobody great enough that says I don't need it, I'm fine just where I'm at. I don't know how much convincing there was, but finally John said, okay, Jesus, I'll baptize you. So they're standing in the Jordan River with everybody watching. John gets ready to baptize Jesus. Just before he baptizes him, a voice begins to speak from the heavens and says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And as John is holding him, the Bible says a dove comes down, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove. You talk about a revival service. You talk about a meeting you will never, ever forget. I remember where I was standing when John held Jesus in the water and we heard God speak in an audible voice. We were there when the Holy Ghost came down in a bodily form like a dove. We were there when John baptized Jesus in the water. How could you ever deny that Jesus was who he said he was. That's what leads us to our text. In the seventh chapter of the Gospel of St. Luke, we find John in prison preaching righteousness 
And he preached righteousness to the kings and to the normal, everyday people. And that got him in trouble. There's something that stirs the world like righteous preaching. Uh, people began, began to get upset and angry. Why? Because you're addressing what the world is fighting against. And when John took a stand, he found himself locked in a jail cell. And all of a sudden, those great meetings began to disappear. And those unreal moments began to fade away. John has his closest disciples come to the jail. He says, instructs them, I need you to go and find Jesus. When you find him, I want you to ask him the question. Make sure you tell him you've been sent by John the Baptist. But you ask him, are you the one or do we need to look for another? What happened, John? Uh, Weren't you the one saying, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. John, weren't you there when God spoke in an audible voice? John, weren't you there when the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily form like a dove? But there was something that happened to John. Life dealt him an unfair hand. And if you live long enough, life is going to deal you an unfair hand. You're going to get sick. You may lose your job. The transmission will go out on your car. Somebody will walk out of your life. Somebody you love will break your heart. And when those moments happen, you can't rely upon what took place years ago. You need another word from God. You need to feel his presence again. John was trying to get them to know, hey, I know I said it. I know I was there, but sometimes I got to hear it again. Sometimes I need a little refreshing in my spirit. Sometimes you need a Monday night revival service. and say, I know who I believe in. I know who I trust in. And so here are these disciples. They leave, and they go to where Jesus is at. And I could see them as they approached the Lord and they explained, Jesus, we've been sent by John the Baptist, the one that gave you your following, the one that raised you on a pedestal, the one that transferred all his membership to you. And John wants to know, are you the one? And Jesus doesn't even answer them. In my own mind, I could see them getting frustrated. I don't know what's going on here. Maybe this brother's hard of hearing or something. Hey, we've been sent by John the Baptist himself. And he wants to know, are you the one? And Jesus, again, doesn't even answer them. But instead, he begins to pray. And all of a sudden, blinded eyes start to open. And they're standing there as the deaf ears are unlocked. And they're watching as the lame began to walk. They are seeing the lepers getting cleansed. And when Jesus is done praying for all the sick and all the bound, he turns back to those disciples and says, Go back and tell John what things you have seen and what things you have heard. Tell him that the blind see. Tell him that the deaf hear. Tell him that the lame walk. Tell him that the lepers are cleansed. Tell him that the dead raised. 
Because when Jesus performs, he might not open up heaven, and you might not ever hear him speak in an audible voice, but he will work in your life. He will work in your family. He will work on your job. He will work in your school. He will will work in every kind of aspect of your life. Because when they found Jesus, they found everything. Their hope, their future, everything that they believed in was all tied up and wrapped up in Jesus Christ. And people recognize that as long as you can get to where Jesus is at, you can get what your soul is crying out for. Uh, you may get a, may take a little journey, but when you finally reach him, you will not be disappointed. Oh, hallelujah. I wonder real fast, if I get this, brother, would you mind helping me real fast? Come on, y'all give a hand clap of appreciation real fast. Mark chapter 5 tells us about a demon-possessed man. You could tell by looking at him a mile away something's going on. No, we're teasing. But in Mark chapter 5, it tells us about this man. And as this chapter progresses, it tells us some of the unusual things that he did. The Scripture says that he would take lancets or knives, and he would take them in his hands, take a knife in your and he would cut his arms, and he would cut his legs, and he would cut his body up. Now, usually there's a spiritual problem going on when somebody starts cutting themselves. But he did something else uh, kind of peculiar. Uh, the Bible says he lived in the tombs. But then, every once in a while, he would go run up and live in the mountains. So would you just step up on the platform for me? He would live in the mountain. But then he would come back down to the tombs. Then he would run to the mountain, but go right back down to the tombs. He would run up to the mountain, go right back down to the tombs. He would run up to the mountain. It's almost kind of funny how somebody could be up one day and down the next day, living for God one day. And then the next day they're back to the same addictions and the same problems and the same struggles that have always held them down. Stay right here for me. Stay right here for me. So he would be up and down, up and down. And it got so bad that the people of the community got together and said, we have got to help this man. See, I I just... I just, under, under the opinion, most people have good hearts. And when they see somebody hurting and hurting themselves and hurting others, they want to do something to help. And so this is what they did. Mark chapter 5 says they took this man and they bound him with chains and fetters. Chains would wrap around your arms and fetters you would see in old jails. They would tie to your feet. So his arms would be tied down, his feet would be tied down, and he would be in isolation. But then something strange would happen. This man would get supernatural strength, and he would break free of those chains and break free of those fetters that had him bound. See, the people really wanted to help, but they failed to understand. They were trying to fix a spiritual problem with a physical cure. They were trying to fix a spiritual problem with a physical cure. 
I'm not against any, any of it, but sometimes we don't need more medication and we don't need another meeting with a counselor. That's good. It all has its place. Don't take me out of con. But sometimes what we really need, we need a deliverance that can only come from God himself. This man, this man needed to be delivered. And so the day came that Jesus was coming by. Brother Burr, would you help me out real fast? Would you stand over here on that side of the wall for me, that side of the church, and face towards us? Brother, would you go against that wall for me and face towards me? So Mark 5 tells us now that we know this man cut himself. We know he lived in the tombs. We know he was tied up, chained up, shackled up, and nothing helped. But the day came that Jesus was near. And this demon-possessed man, the Bible says he saw Jesus afar off. And he does something that is so outstanding. Jesus starts walking, and this demon-possessed man runs to where Jesus is at, lifts his hands, and begins to worship him. So now... This demon-possessed man runs to Jesus, and Jesus asked him a question. He said, what is your name? And the demon-possessed man spoke back and said, my name is Legion. Now, theologians can differ a little bit on the exact number, but most would agree that when he said Legion, it represented at least 3,000. So when he said, my name is Legion, what he was saying was, I've got 3,000 evil spirits living in me. That's, that's the person you hate to see walking to McDonald's when you're trying to enjoy a Big Mac. 3,000 devils tormenting his mind. 3,000 spirits pulling him in different directions. So now that we have that information, let's back up again just for a moment. Jesus, would you come back over there? Demon, would you go over there for me? We got some great help, great help tonight. Thank So what happens now? The demon-possessed man, he sees Jesus afar off, and Jesus starts walking towards him. What is the demon-possessed? He runs to where he's at. Now, hang on. Let's back it up one more time. I feel like somebody's not getting it. What happens? Jesus starts coming. What's the demon-possessed man? He runs to where he's at, lifts his hands. You know what that tells me? It tells me it doesn't matter if you've got 3,000 spirits in you. If you want to worship God and if you want to get to Jesus, there is absolutely nothing that can stop you as long as you have a want to in your heart. Somebody, somebody said, well, I'm still smoking. I'm still drinking. I can't go to an altar. No, 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 no. It doesn't, you're, he's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for people willing to come to him and get to him right in their problem. All that happens. Jesus speaks a prayer, and this man just instantaneously is set free. 3,000 evil spirits are cast out into the water, and now he's in his right mind. 
And I just wonder if he could be here on this Monday night if we turn the microphone to him and say, what did you find when you found Jesus? I think he would say it and sum it up like this. When I found Jesus, I found everything I was ever looking for. More than I could ever imagine. More than I could fathom in my mind. When I found Jesus, I found my father. I found my best friend. I found my savior. I found my redeemer. I found the one I can lean on and rest on. I found the one I can look to and hope in. Jesus said it like this in John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that you might have life more abundantly. Oh, could we lift our hands one more time? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. The music's getting ready to come. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord here tonight. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I remember where I was at, and I remember what I was doing. I wasn't raised in church, and my family did not come from the best of backgrounds. So because of that, I found a lifestyle of drugs, and a lifestyle of living out on the street. That's all that I knew, all that my family had ever done. And so I, I can distinctly recall one night, I was in the downstairs of a drug dealer's house. And I was just minding my own business, doing my own thing. And out of nowhere, I felt like God started to speak to me. I didn't really know, brother boy, what that felt like. And so I just kind of played it off and just ignored it. A little while later, I feel it again. Felt like God was trying to speak to me. God was trying to talk to me somehow. So I'm looking around and nobody else seems to be feeling what I'm feeling. So I just kind of brushed it off again. Sometimes you can brush him off when he's trying to talk to you. You can ignore him, but you know he's reaching for you. And finally, the third time this happened, I just couldn't stay there any longer. So I went to the upstairs of this house. Went on the third level. I found a room that nobody was in. I walked into the room. I shut the door. I locked it. Got on my knees, started praying best I knew how to pray. And I start praying, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't really feel anything. Has that ever happened to anybody? You prayed, but you don't really feel anything. Everybody says you're supposed to feel something, but you don't feel anything. I prayed. I didn't feel anything. So I remember standing up, standing in this room by myself. Finally, I said, God, I need you. I can't keep going down the same path that I'm on. I know what's going to happen. I know I'm going to end up dead. I know I'm going to end up in jail. I just can't do this anymore. I need you to show me. Let me know somehow that there's a reason worth living. And I went over to the edge of the house, and I was looking out the window, and I was watching these clouds. It was nothing special or magical or mystical. It was just clouds. And while I'm looking at these clouds, standing there alone, 
I began to feel something from the top of my head down to the sole of my feet. I never felt that in cocaine. I never felt that in crystal meth. I never felt, I never felt anything like that in marijuana. And I said, God, I don't really know what I'm feeling right now, but I know I'm feeling something. I promise you I'll pray to you one more time. But I was really ready to pray. And I got on my knees and started opening my mouth to pray. But as I began to pray, I started speaking words I didn't understand. I started speaking in a different language. Come to find out, that's how you know you received the Holy Ghost. You'll speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives utterance. But I said that to say this, that if God could fill a no-good sinner in a drug dealer's house, without any preachers and without any saints and without any prayer warriors helping you. And what do you think God could do in the congregation of the righteous if there was somebody that would be willing to say, you know what, I'm ready for a change. I'm ready for something to be different in my life. I'm tired of being depressed. I'm tired of being addicted. I'm tired of having suicidal thoughts. I'm tired of battling low self-esteem. I'm tired of going through the motions. I'm tired of living the same fight. I want to change. Hey, the music's getting ready to play, but I want to tell you, before this sermon comes to an end, if all we do is come with a religious prayer and it doesn't mean much from the heart, we're probably not going to find much. But if there's somebody that's willing to say, you know what, I'm going to hit the altar and I'm going to pray like I never prayed. There might be a young person in this room, you've never had the Holy Ghost. You might have prayed before. I challenge you to come to an altar tonight with your heart open, with your hands raised, with your mind ready. Because when you really find him for yourself, he's bigger than grandma's church and daddy's religion and pastor's preaching. But when you really find Jesus for yourself, you find everything. You find everything you are ever looking for. Oh, could you stand with me all across the house? Oh, heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, I'm praying right now, somebody. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.